Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Good morning, Al. Good morning, but it's How afternoon for you. How do you feel today? Um, well, I'm very tired because I obviously woke up three minutes ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you were aware of that. Um, so I'm very sleepy, especially because I only got only a couple hours to sleep because oh, of... No. It it wasn't really my own fault though. Well, it was. I eh, yeah, it was. I knew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that this story was going to take me a while to do research. It ends up taking me like seven hours, and I waited until like ten o'clock at night to get started. So like, what was I thinking was going to happen? So no comment. I've only I took a power nap before we recorded. Let's say that, and then um, and then other than that, I think I'm okay. I'm going to the dentist today which is intimidating because i've been having some issues with the old chompers so no not the pearly whites i know why uh nothing like wild but i'm just like i I am i've always been like a notoriously bad flosser so i'm like a bleeder as i assume they call me in the employee's office lounge (laughs) like great it's i just get really embarrassed by it so Anyway, I mean, I think I don't know if this is just my my twisted view on the world, but I don't think anyone actually flosses. Right. Like, am I right on that? I feel like no one actually flosses every single day. Well, just to make you and me feel worse. Allison is like a champion flosser. There she goes, always doing everything right and taking care of herself and her body. I know. And so I and also I have this thing going on, which is like, this is so gross. But um, oh, my gosh, I'm ready. Let me get my drink. Okay, keep going. I think my teeth are chipping off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Pardon me? I feel like it's as stupid as when Michael Scott is having like soft teeth. And so he has to like dip his steak in his wine. But um, it's disgusting. <laughs> but I, I don't know if it's my teeth or not, but I got a permanent retainer put on like 10 years ago and now it's finally starting to chip off, which I know is like this oh, is it's the-, the glue, dude. But the glue looks exactly like teeth. Yeah, I know. It's the glue. I promise you. I like my teeth. To me. Yeah, my teeth don't hurt. And I imagine if my teeth were chipping off in fragments, I'd notice in pain tolerance. But it really it they did 
artisanal jobs of making it look like bone 10 years ago. The day I moved to Boston, my retainer came off. My permanent retainer came off and I was so broke. I'd spent all my money moving there. And I was like, I went in and I was like, um, this retainer and it like swung out. So it was just the pokey part, like going through Mm. my tongue basically. And I was like, I need to get this off my face. And they were like, that'll be $350. And I was like, cool never mind and i went home and just had to like wait for it to come off it was well, so gross that's awful because also if you're if you were feeling what i'm currently feeling it's like it's something has has felt broken in my mouth for a it's while horrific. it's a not it's not a good and then they're like oh these aren't permanent and i'm like then why do you call them that i yeah i exactly and i it, it's a really gross feeling and Honestly, I'm ready to pay whatever it takes to have them taken off, like, even today, if possible. I don't know if that's an orthodontist thing versus a teeth thing. But, um, yeah, uh, they also, they're not keeping my teeth straight. So, like, it's absolutely. So, what's the point, right? Yeah, clearly they have broken at some point because everything's shifted in there. So, Well, hopefully it's the glue. I think it is because I remember that feeling of, like, cool, pieces of my teeth are falling off. And they were like, no, 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 you're okay. I was really like, am I that? trash like <laughs> i'm that bad at this though like at, at keeping track of my own teeth that they're just falling out in shaves Ew. <laughs> anyway that's why i drank today why do you drink christine how are your teeth oh, oh you know my teeth are i think okay you're making me a little nervous that i need to like floss more because <laughs> in my mind nobody flosses and i guarantee like a third of our listeners are gonna write in like um everybody fucking flosses you freak so it's probably <laughs> probably on me uh, but I'm drinking a bubble tea. Definitely not good for my teeth, uh, but super delicious. And um, why do I drink? Oh, I'm going to a Rainbow Kitten Surprise concert tomorrow, Em. I feel like maybe that's your first time ever, but I feel like it's happened 10 times in our friendship. It's uh, happened maybe- once, and it was the last concert I saw before the pandemic, because Blaze and I went oh. to Arizona while we were on t- you and I were on tour. And we met in Arizona, got an Airbnb, went to like a music festival there. And I remember we were supposed to see Death Cab and um, Ben Gibbard came out on the stage and like did not look well and oh, kind shit. of almost fainted on stage. And we were like, what is going on? And then he had to stop the concert. He was like the headliner and he was like, he did two songs and was like, I have to go and left. And they were like, sorry. And we were all like, what is going on with him? Does he have the oh, flu? Oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> like, three days later, it was like, you are no longer allowed to leave your house. And I was like, well, I saw my rainbow kitten surprise. I can die happy. Goodbye. Wow. That was um, the the last innocent moment I think you had before the pandemic. We were like, what's his problem in like a crowd of thousands of people, which is terrifying. Also, to extra terrifying because that's exactly my fear of when I'm on stage and look like I'm about to pass out. Everyone's <laughs> going to go, what's their problem? And what's that about? Hey, if I do, I can confidently tell you it wouldn't be COVID. It would be my my heart thing but at least we know your heart is failing you know instead of COVID, at the very least at least anyway so answers it's pretty fun because um well it's a little terrifying because yeah this is the last experience i had before covid yeah you're Uh, reliving like a final destination (laughs) moment where maybe after this concert another don't even start with that nonsense i'm not gonna say it but we're all thinking it i'm a little we were all thinking it i know um but my mom and stepdad are coming over to watch the baby and they've learned her bedtime routine and everything and it's just kind of cool because blaze and i can go have a date night with my brother and sister they'll be there too but you know blaze and i well we went to a concert a few weeks ago to see alt j and 
while we were there, first of all, two people said hi and recognized me, which was really nice. But then um, my sister came with us and Blaze's and my first date ever was to an Alt-J concert. And so I feel like I'm reliving all these weird old like memories. Um, but we went to this Alt-J concert and my sister was there. And so I was like, oh, it's sort of a date night, but with my sister. But then on Snapchat, she found out one of her friends was there. So she like ditched us and went to the front row. So we got to do a little date night. So maybe I can uh, send my brother and sister away again and we can pretend like we're a single couple out on the town. I do. In my mind, when you say you're going on a date night with Blaze, I didn't you didn't have to tell me Zandy would be there. I feel like I just I feel like Blaze really married into the concept of like, oh, family night is family night. Like and like not even I, I mean, obviously, everyone lives super close, but I also knew you pre-Kentucky where Zandy lived with you every single moment <laughs> I that I ever knew you. So in my mind, you are just I a mean, triad. Zandy went on your first date with Allison. So I feel like he's Don't just I know of, it? Yeah. I feel like <laughs> if anyone's kind of like the the bonus <laughs> He really finds his way into just about every scenario. I I um I was thinking about that recently of like, oh yeah, Zandy was there. And I just felt so bad for that kid because we we're obviously into each other. I know he knew that because he literally left in the middle to go to for Starbucks like for, hours. An, for an hour and a half. Yeah. But man, he really, I think he kind of likes it. He keeps going on people's dates. So I don't want to say that any of us have given him a bad time on our dates. He's like, this seems like where I need to be. Yeah. Uh, he's going to really hate this whole segment, but that's okay. Um, well, here's the thing. This is what I'm, this is the point I'm trying to get to, which maybe hasn't registered uh to zandy yet but you have he owes you many a date with d i'm just saying i'm not interested in that thank you though (laughs) well you don't want to go to a bunch of lighthouses hang on just kidding no i did i've already done that (laughs) d visited and remember you were there and we went to we went to mini golf we went to jungle gyms i feel like we're already crashing that you and i crashed their dates so also he really has because he's been on so many of our of maybe your dates but at least with mine because he was on my first date he was such a homie through it that I feel like I still owe him something years later. So I wonder if it's an intentional like, aha, you'll oh, get he's me liking back. this segment again. He's like, now you're finally on track. Okay, <laughs> I feel it in my bones. I only ever meant it as a as not as an insult to him, but just as like a, I feel like you're you're putting your chips in for something big one day. <laughs> yeah, you're saving your tickets at Chuck E. Cheese. I just keep trading mine in for bubbles, and he's like, no, I want the giant stuff. That's exactly the, the takeaway I was hoping for here. <laughs> Um, I also want to point out real quick that I'm being a real asshole because I'm the one who bought everybody tickets and said, you all have to come with me to this concert. It is not. It was my doing that I bought everyone a ticket and said, everyone must come with me. So nobody even has a choice. So I feel like I'm throwing this in as like, oh, Alexander's tagging along. It's like, no, I really am forcing everyone around me to come with me to this show. So, But I appreciate that about you. I feel like you pretty often force people into dynamics but in like a like you know it's gonna work out (laughs) but only if it's like fun and they're into it otherwise uh, is it is that an introvert move or is it a you are aware of fomo and therefore don't want anyone else to have fomo move it might be a both it might be a both or is it a people pleasing out of guilt from childhood trauma thing wait hold on can i do all of the above (laughs) okay yeah you really do like to have group dates and i don't know if you're aware that there are dates until we're all together we're all having a date experience and i force everyone to hang out yeah i think it's because i don't time i'm really it takes a lot of energy for me to do anything outside of my home so i might as well do them all in one you know i have to tell you something by the way oh tell me 
Um, I found out a fun little thing, and I forgot to mention it on the last recording. Tell but me. on Monday, I'm going to a movie screening. <gasps> what? What movie? It's the new Nicolas Cage movie. And Shut I'm, up. And I'm very nervous because I, I, the attire, I was told to wear California cool, and I went, well, fuck Pardon this. me? What the fuck is that? I honestly couldn't tell i don't know they because someone said that's not oh. anything someone said business casual but then someone else said california cool and i was like those, those are two different equate. things those in my equate. mind but i guess in california business casual is california cool and so i've just been spending the last like 24 48 hours desperately searching california cool online so i could try to pretend that i'm that what on earth is that what like hollister (laughs) i don't know it's a lot of bomber (laughs) jackets so which is not how my body works uh i'm not a bomber (laughs) jacket frame uh i feel like if you don't have broad shoulders then the bomber jacket doesn't look athletic if you have slumpy shoulders then the the problem with me is i do have very broad shoulders and then it looks like i'm just like a giant square you know i feel like all of you has to be like look in a certain way it's certainly not a way i, I look. feel like you gotta I, look svelte and that's certainly not something i've ever been described as i have no i don't know because i've seen some other people who like i guess wouldn't consider themselves svelte and they look great in a bomber jacket so i don't know what's happening with my body where it's like a weird hashtag huh. sign and like <laughs> nothing fits <laughs> but but yeah i other than that i i mean it's the the, the issue with what i wear is because um i don't want to disappoint I am I've been told enough times that if I just wear a nice shirt and nice jeans, I could probably get away with murder. So like I'm like fine with that. But apparently there's a red carpet, which like <gasps> as someone who's going, you have what to take pictures of the red carpet. Are you going on a date? What is this? What's going on? No, it's it's through it's through our people. They I said I wanted to do more like movie stuff and they they set it up. Oh my god, how have you not told me about this? I know. I, for, I forgot to tell you. Oh I'm telling God. you now because had I had I remembered, I would have asked for some California cool clothing options. Yeah, you're, you're saying that to be nice, but you certainly never would have asked me for fashion advice. But I would I was I've I've been kind of desperate and I've been but I've been afraid to ask people because how do you ask somebody like, what do you wear to a premiere? Because I don't know a person, anyone who's been to a premiere. Yeah. Uh, no, me neither. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Anyway, the but so my issue is like the the red carpet part is not enjoyable to me because we did that at the Webby's and it was terrifying. Not fun. It's not enjoyable. Thank God Lisa came and we were like, can you go with us? (laughs) No, if you go and look at our like Webby's video, like they tried to like ask us questions on the red carpet. Lisa answered every question for us as our invite. Actually, what happened was they kept asking Lisa questions and she kept saying, Hey, you need to ask them questions because they're. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, and then she was like, and then uh, Lisa got mentioned in an article, and they said, "Who was there with her niece?" And that that was it. They didn't even (laughs) say like anything about us or why we were there. It was just like honestly spotted at the red carpet with honestly. (laughs) I mean, I guess, and in hindsight, that's embarrassing for us, but. I kind of was totally fine with being mm-hmm. so under the radar because we were so bad. Well, I was so bad. I don't know about you. I was blacking out, but I was having the worst time on the on that carpet because I, I didn't know how to pose. I didn't know how to stand. And by the way, for people wondering, the red carpet is literally like a five foot long step and repeat. It just looks really long on TV. Yeah. 
And so you're just waiting in an awkward line, like you're like waiting to get on the school bus and then it's your moment. And in those, in those five minutes, couldn't tell you what happened. And most photographers like do not care if you're not really famous. And so they're like, please. All right. You can move on now. I think that's my problem. Cause I'm like, why am I even a- being asked to be? No, you need to own this. this. I'm thing. so pumped for you right now. And I feel like this is your moment. What? Okay. What Nick Cage movie? I don't even know about this. Oh, it's like, you know how he, it's like a movie. I think about him having gone like bankrupt and all that. Like, I think it's like a breaking the fourth wall movie. Oh, about him. interesting. I know, but I, so I, we are very lucky to have PR people. And I basically, the thing is I saw a bunch of people on TikTok going to Marvel premieres and I was <laughs> like, I know I'm not to that caliber, but like, I would certainly love to try that. And then they, they said Nick like, Cage oh, well, is pretty high caliber. I feel like I, if I see him, I certainly won't approach him. I wouldn't. Please I don't. Wouldn't, <laughs> no, I'm this, this, by the way, this really is like an observational experience yeah, where i, I think i'm wait. gonna i'm gonna go i'm probably gonna embarrass myself and then be like never mind let's never do this again but thank you for the, the tryout no so. no it's gonna be so good em. you're gonna be great and people are gonna be chill and they're gonna be california cool and it's gonna and be i'll fun. watch them do it you're gonna have such a good time <laughs> i promise you and then um last thing i wanted to say going back to your concert um, Rainbow Kitten surprise. I'm excited for you because after so many years, you're finally going to see how this man performs at optimal power, I think, instead of uh, <gasps> potentially being ill. Oh, well, that was Death Cab for Cutie. That was a different one. That was just the same music festival. Oh, Sorry. I thought it was. I was going to say like, hey, you get to have a full circle moment. Oh, well, I sort of. I mean, I saw Rainbow Kitten surprise. Then Death Cab was up and Death Cab was a headliner and they were he was ill and had to leave. So the last concert I saw was Rainbow Kid Surprise. Um, I never got to fulfill my death cab, you know. If all of those people were backstage together, you know everyone got COVID. <laughs> yeah. After that festival. I mean, I think he just went into his trailer, so I don't I don't know. But it was... Um, the funniest part was leaving the concert and being like, I wonder what's going on. Maybe he has the flu. Like, nobody fucking knew. It was uh, kind of a... A laughable moment where i feel like god was just chuckling you know um oh well, can i say one last thing sorry i know we're we're like going really long here i just want to say one thing which i meant to mention last week too speaking of like live events um alexander and i are doing a sh- live shows at yes. the funny bone in june in cincinnati and columbus for beach to sandy um and i don't know we're we're just hoping to it's hard to sell tickets right now because post-covid people are kind of eh, i don't know meh about um going it's been a it's been a journey for us too i i I feel like yeah it's weird the fact that you're going through it twice is a nice volunteership of you (laughs) (laughs) well we're really hoping i mean there's vip tickets and we're doing a meet and greet so speaking of you know at least yeah so there's vip tickets available so i don't know if anyone is interested in coming to that it's in cincinnati columbus june 8th and 9th and that's all before people ask you a million times online, what might they expect at this show? Oh, well, we're going to be reading reviews of uh, local places. So the only show we've ever done was in New York. So we did local uh, landmarks there. So we're going to be doing, um, you know, local Cincinnati one-star reviews and then same thing with Columbus. So, you know, if you're in the area the midwest area come out and uh my brother said i can buy myself my lookalike american girl doll if we sell out the shows so that's nice i hope so i hope so (laughs) i'm very excited for you she has a trashy classy headband although like i how are you gonna do it without drinking wine on stage 
Um, I'm not going to do it without drinking wine. Oh, um, okay. We're just bringing a little and that's how you drink to the party. Oh, that's of fine. course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like um, am I, know I pregnant you're... again? I'm so confused. <laughs> I was like, I know your secret weapon for being able to get on stage with me. And it's oh, certainly... No, I, I copy pasted our rider of just two <laughs> bottles of wine. <laughs> I was like, Alexander, I'll make the rider. <laughs> I, just, I took out the deli meat that you have on there and just put wine. So that sounds like it's actually not going to be very fun it's now. It's going to so. be cheese and wine, and I'm so amped. Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I it would. I think it would bode very well for you if the. Eh, never mind. I was going to say if the venue happened to have horrible reviews, and then you could like do the show about the venue you <laughs> were at. Thought about that. Never and mind. That, it just seems like a bad idea. I totally see how that could backfire instantaneously. <laughs> um, okay. Well, also, I wanted to give a troll hole update. I <gasps> have made the first big purchases, and I did not realize how expensive this was going to mm. be. Um, As someone who's furnishing a house after two years still, oh, God, it's a yeah. lot. One room should not be this pricey, but um, here we go. <laughs> I like, already lost some money. So I, especially because like his room is rj's room my room now is so big and so echoey that like i have to do as much like soundproofing as possible which like i'm not gonna like deck the thing out in soundproofing but it, i'm i have to treat it a little bit because it's crazy it's, it's crazy echoey How fun. so even when his room was completely filled it had echoes so if i need that to be the place i record i feel like I'm learning a lot of weird science that I maybe should have learned about a long time ago about like acoustic panels and things like that. So <laughs> that sounds right down your alley. I'm just desperate. I'm just like, I bought a crap load of carpets just to like throw them all over the floor. It's such a, Ooh. what's it called? A, ho- a hodgepodge? Modge podge? A hodgepodge? Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. A hodgepodge. You use mod podge. But you use this mod is podge. Hodgepodge. Correct. Wow. Uh, this feels like a mess is what I'm trying to say. It's just like currently chaos like in yeah, there. Yeah, it does. But the second, what do you think I should do? Should I completely deck it out and not record in there until I can give you the final reveal? Or <gasps> do you want to see it kind of slowly getting pieced together? Ooh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess that's more up to you and what you're comfortable with as far as recording. Because right now you're out in your kind of dining area. I know I usually am in I'm usually uh, locked away in our our bedroom because Allison works out here during the day so I hide out in our bedroom while we, when we record. Oh I see so you could just go back in there. I, don't I, know. I could just go back in there but That's Allison's, up to you. Allison's not here right now so I'm finally getting to like use a workspace. Be in the open. Nice. <laughs> I know. Um, anyway I, I guess I'll, I'll find out we'll find out together on, yeah, on a I'll day when we're recording. Mm-hmm. Okay but I am excited I'm I have ideas and i hope it turns out the way it looks in my head otherwise it's gonna really be an overstimulating mess i think it's gonna look beautiful and i can't wait do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings yes it's me i'm raising my hand rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop get cash back at over 3500 stores across every single category including fashion beauty home essentials travel dining and so much more Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I've got uh, a story for you that, um, speaking of things you can't wait for, Uh there's been something... I couldn't wait for for a while. And it was this bone I have to pick with you so as of as of last night. I cannot log into your Discovery Plus account. Why? I don't know. Oh, I, no, it's it's because I was watching it probably. At 4 a.m., my girl. I oh, don't know. No, certainly not. Did you change your password? No. Then I don't know. My computer went, mm, I know that you're going into someone else's account and this in is- fact every time i log in i have to remember am i lemon sucks or pp head because i don't really <laughs> want to associate with either profile and so i always click the one that i think i click lemon sucks because i think you made that mine but it's not me anyway and then it's like ghost adventures only in here and i'm like get me out get me out get me out so i still well, log I ha- into that one i don't know i don't know what well, happened i watched it last was- night Someone was playing a trick on me. Then I don't know. I all I know is I was. I hope not. I'll go. I'll go check if it like expired at midnight or I something. I typed in your weird ass password, by the way, and it was not <laughs> landing. I don't know. What... Normally, I would say, "Oh, you can say it on on here," but it's my password for probably everything. So maybe don't. Um, I just don't I, feel like you know what you and Deirdre have a a really interesting tactic, which I don't know if you do it on purpose, but you both have passwords that are spelled with. Like, they're not real words. Like, it's like a weird acronym or something. Yeah. So even if you give someone your password, they'll never remember it because it's such a weird jumble of letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So we could say it here, right? No one will remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can test that if you'd like. But I, I, I went through our text to find the password because I was like, maybe I'm not using the right password. Or I, I looked at the login that you sent me and I was like, what the fuck is this word? <laughs> okay, but no, but it's not that one. That's the problem. And then I sent you, oh, shit, sorry, it's this one. Like, right after that. Well, that would have saved me a lot of yeah. trouble finding um, these videos. Uh, not yeah. Maybe so legally. I don't know. It's, uh, I'll tell you later, but it's, it's, is I it sent right after that. Head? Is it PP Head? It's PP Head Lemon Rules 666. <laughs> okay, well, oh, speaking of Lemon Rules, I will, Mr. Lemon, would you like to say hello? Yes, I would like to say hello. Say hello to mommy. <laughs> Yikes. <gasps> Hi, buddy. I miss you. Help Hi, me. Help you're, me. Your butt is super glued to that golf ball case. <laughs> Lemon's not going anywhere. You, you are such a cutie pie. I Do you know how many little nooks and crannies I had to super glue to get him <laughs> to really stick in there? <laughs> He's thriving. He's having a good time. Can he? Can you see him if I balance him here? No, not really. Hmm. That's I was okay. you have a moment. I'm having one. Hang I love you, Lemon. I miss you. There. You now we're talking. Now we're cooking. Okay, Lemon. Yeah. Look this at is that a, beauty. We have a guest star this week. Okay. This is fucking great. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm going to take... I, I know Eva's probably already taken one, but I'm taking a screenshot just in case for my own <laughs> posterity's sake. Well, he's, he's 
currently out to breathe because as I was trying to figure out the troll hole situation, I was like, where do I put everything? And so I've got a bunch of like tchotchke crap everywhere because I'm trying to move things as needed. So, okay. Here is your story. Sweet Christine. Lemon, are you listening? No. Okay. Yeah, he's he's like, if you're talking, forget it. <laughs> I'm shutting my little ears. <laughs> my little lemon ears. Where do you do you think he has ears or do you think like the little the little thing is his antenna? What do you think it is? Oh, it's his antenna, um. That's perfect and so beautiful and sweet. And then if you turn it on, on his side, it's just his Audi belly button. Oh, beep beep, boop boop. <laughs> okay goodbye um so this is the story today which i was not able to access your discovery plus for um this is a a very haunted one that i recently got um recommended um i actually put out a thing on like the one of the facebook pages and i was like please leave your suggestions and i got like 800 which is like so nice for my fear that i'm gonna burn through material (laughs) (laughs) so um this is the story of the missouri state penitentiary which oh oh. i think it was one of those things where i thought i had covered it and so anytime people suggested it i was like why are you suggesting something i've already done and then i looked through and i was like oh my god wow okay i'm excited a penitentiary we haven't done one of these in a while we never get penitentiaries anymore. I feel like I really went through just about every jail there is. So um, so Missouri State, it's a maximum security prison in Jefferson City. It was nicknamed The Walls because that was where people lived. Cool. Great. And it's also known as the bloodiest 47 acres in America. Oh, what? I guess because there was a lot of death. Oh, my God. On- on those 47 acres. So in 1822, which is quite a trip back in 18, 1822. Hey, that's 200 years ago. Exactly. Hey, well today they would have their anniversary, I guess. How nice for them. Good for them. I've been waiting actually to talk about this until this this moment. That was nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Jefferson city became, uh, Missouri's capital in 1822. And I guess there were other cities that were like, trying to steal that title away. It was like early enough that they could be like, nah, we want to be the capital. (laughs) And, uh, and the governor of Jefferson city was like, all right, I got to secure my spot. What do I do to make sure that like this stays the capital? And so the governor proposed building a maximum security state penitentiary there, which Mm. I feel like he could have proposed a lot of things, but I guess he wanted to say like, Hey, our, maximum security prison in the whole state like it, it should be at the capitol right so he's like i'm can... tough on crime watch this uh-huh yeah that's mm. it um so the prison had a twenty five thousand dollar budget after it was proposed which at the time that it was twenty five thousand dollars today it would be seven hundred eighty thousand oh. dollars wow so a lot of money going to this jail he really believed in this being like his ticket into staying at capitol great And um, construction began in 1834. And the project had the same designer as the Eastern State Penitentiary, fun fact. Oh. Which was episode seven. So way, way back for us. That is old. Almost as far back as 1822. (laughs) Just just about. 
just a tinge. And so uh, the same designer as the Eastern State Penitentiary and the stonemason also happen to work on the Capitol building of Jefferson oh. City's Capitol building. Oh, I thought you meant of the United States, but of that Capitol. <laughs> I think it was I think it was J uh, JC's. That's how I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> 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 Jefferson City, not Jesus Christ. Um, the. Yeah, I think it was Jefferson City's Capitol building. I'm Now I'm not too sure and I'm mm-hmm. psyching myself out. But I do like that that means he must have done so well in this prison that when... Or no, I guess it would have gone first that the Jefferson City around. was already the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, those two people got to work on this building. But guess who else worked on this building? Who? The devil? I don't know. The actual inmates. Oh, yikes. Oh, so, yikes. That becomes quite a running theme in this. I see. So in 1836, two years later, the first of the facilities was finished and people were able to move on in. And the first prisoner was Wilson Edison. Fun fact. Mm. And another fun fact is the prison opened the same week as the Battle of the Alamo. Oh, how weird is that? Which like, in my mind, the Alamo is such a isolated event that i forget that other things were happening that day (laughs) it puts in perspective yeah for sure yeah it also lets you know just how old this prison is yeah um so i think what's that andrew jackson or something it was the president it's a long time my eyes have just glazed over i can't help (laughs) you with that information (laughs) okay a white man (laughs) i can assure you oh most Um, likely yeah that part i know there's like a hmm maybe one person uh, there's one chance that it wasn't uh, it was not a white person i i think <laughs> back then it was, i can guarantee it um so yeah the facilities were first finished in 1836 and uh within the first few years there were only 15 people incarcerated oh that must be nice i mean not nice but better than when it was full i imagine but- but also so embarrassing for the governor, because if you put in $780,000 into a building today <laughs> and in the first few years, only 15 people used it, Yikes. like, woof Like, how – that's not proof that Jefferson said he should stay a capital, as far as I'm concerned. But, oh, okay. M's throwing some shade here. In those first years, I'm just saying it was a slow, slow start. Um, fun fact, out of those 15 people that were incarcerated, 11 of them – were from St. Louis, and all but one of those 11 were in prison for larceny. What a weird thing. Oh. So out of 15, only four of them were not from St. Louis, and only five of them were not in there for larceny. Weird. Okay. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, I Also, I feel like compared to, like, other crimes, like, I feel like everyone was just getting tagged with larceny, so people would have to use this jail. I guess so. Um, there was also at the time, because there was only 15 people there, there was one warden, one guard, and one foreman with his assistant. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a uh, small business Saturday, if you will. <laughs> so, small businesses, you know. So, uh, slow start. But by 1832, which was uh, almost 100 years later, it was the largest... 1832. 1932, sorry. Oh, oh, oh. So 1836, it opened 1932. Got it. Almost 100 years later. It was the largest penitentiary in the U.S. Oh, now with, look who's talking to him. I know. I should have waited a century. And <laughs> around this, I mean, fun fact, too, is that 
at this point, the prison had been open for almost 100 years, and only now Alcatraz is being proposed. Just to let you know Whoa. how much older this prison is from Alcatraz, 100 That's years older. That's pretty weird. Isn't that bananas? Yeah. So pretty soon, or pretty much as soon as it opened, uh, the Missouri State Penitentiary had a program where they would, quote, lease out inmates to businessmen for labor. Which super. is basically slave labor. Like, thank here, you. you I didn't know if I didn't know which pay for people. Yeah, unwilling mm-hmm. people. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I didn't you. know if you would say slave labor or if I would say slave labor. But I'm one of us gonna was gonna say, say it. it. I'm gonna say it. So something's going on with this water bottle. It is fucked up. I th- I feel like someone. It's like spraying. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um. I don't either, quite frankly. So it's just, it's like weirdly, like I've wiped away the spot where it would have left a ring and it keeps having a, like, is the, oh, it sprung a leak. I guess so. But it's also one of those like big old, like two liter bottles. So if it sprung a leak, we're about to have a flood in here. How fun. Keep lemon off the ground, off of the surface. What do you think I did? Look at, look at him. Keep him safe. Look at him. (laughs) Um, I just look at that and I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, if you told 10-year-old me what my career was and <laughs> they got a glimpse of this exact image, I'd be like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, if you told 10-year-old me that I would be uh, really emotionally attached to a lemon, I'd be like, I know. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, that's – at least we broke even then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, back to slave labor. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So Importantly. they had – a quote lease program gross which like so you could basically sell humans for work great okay as long as we know what we're doing here and the inmates were ordered to work in nearby factories and build new properties nearby um this included the warden's mansion so he watched you build his own home um and they also had to build a stone wall out of limestone from the quarry Oh, limestone. I know it. Mm -hmm. I know it. And so the stone from the quarry, uh, so it was limestone. And when Missouri State Penitentiary was finished being built, it was surrounded in limestone and 15 towers. So (gasps) this this whole prison is just covered in limestone, which, by the way, is like a big conductor for paranormal energy. Mm -hmm. So when working or when being sold out for for labor, the inmates used these opportunities to try to escape because it was so common. There was only so few of them that they were being sold out to work outside of the prison. And so when they were not on the grounds, they took these chances to escape the best they could. Right. So escapes were super common because they would be told like, hey, go clean out this sewer pipe in town and then they would try to like jump down the sewer pipe and like and flee the whole town like they I mean they were just doing Makes whatever they sense, could to get away right yeah there was a few times where there they would just like hijack someone's horse and wagon and just try to take off like i mean they were just if you're bringing all these people out and they're trying to escape and you're not really watching them because there's one warden and he's not even going with and them you're trying to he wants you to build his house his mansion yeah. People would just escape all the time. So to a point where in 1868, 
So the prison was open for about 45 years now. Uh, there was headline news that broke out in town because guards had discovered a tunnel that had been dug out. I, I assumed this was a team effort and anytime someone had a chance, they would go down there and start digging. Um, because they found a tunnel that dug out very closely. Um, it almost reached under one of the limestone walls that had been shoved <gasps> into the ground. Whoa. And so it was just, someone was digging, 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 and they were so close. That's like, sucks. Ha- I mean, had the, had the guards you know. found it like a week later, they would have been able to have dug out and all 700 inmates at the time would have been able to escape all at once. Okay. I, I said that sucks, but like, I don't want to put, I don't know who was in there for what reason. So I'm not going to say, yeah, let them all out of the tunnel, but I, it I, just sucks I, to be the person digging. Like it certainly does, but I like to think it was a team effort in my mind. Everyone was kind of like, hi ho, hi ho. And just mm-hmm. dig, dig, digging. And to me, it feels more of a communal effort, but I truly had the cops waited up like a, a couple days longer. Everyone would have been able to escape damn instead of just doing it when they were out working they were just all going to flee in the middle of the night so this was brought to the attention of the town and they were like okay we have suffered long enough with like just random inmates breaking out at all times we have been on edge and now you're telling me all 700 almost got out at the same time so boy you guys have to do something about this this isn't cute anymore um So they made a bunch of changes, and by 1900, uh, Missouri State Penitentiary was called the most efficient and the greatest prison in the world. Probably not to the inmates, but that was what the press was calling it. Yeah, greatest is a relative term, but okay. The greatest prison. Okay, so when how does that love that? How does that work? Um, So let's take a moment and talk about the women of the prison. Cool. Great. So in 1842, the first female inmate uh, was brought in. Her name was Amelia Eddy. She was from St. Louis for grand larceny. Mm. And she was released within days, even though she had a two-year sentence, because they just didn't have accommodations for her. They were just like, well, we don't have separate bathrooms or beds for you. Like, they didn't think about that before she went into the jail. I was going to say, what are they expecting was going to happen? Yeah, so... She's like, I'm on my period. And they're like, get out. (laughs) (laughs) The demon. She's a demon. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, she just like within days, they were like, okay, just get out of here. And most of the early female inmates uh, were there for some sort of infraction against immigration or conspiracy laws. So nothing necessarily violent. Okay. And up until the 1860s, all of the women were housed in a seemingly nicer facility uh, compared to the men. Eventually, the female block needed a couple expansions, and by 1926, they were transferred to a different facility. I think it was still owned by the Missouri State Penitentiary, but it was just a different property. Okay. Um, It was literally like a farmhouse. Like, it was a plantation home, yikes, uh, that had been converted into, like, a prison farm. Oh, Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. A lot of bad a lot of bad energy there. Yeah. Um apparently it was called farm number one, which implies there are more farms. <laughs> um, or it's okay. just the greatest farm. It oh, was the greatest right. jail, now it's the greatest farm. Right. Someone called it number one. They were like, okay, that's it. We love that. And even though that sounds like super dark, and I'm not trying to make um, you know, the a prison experience lighthearted, it does seem like 
the women that were staying at farm number one had a significantly better time than having been at the Missouri State Penitentiary. Okay. I'm sure they still had a miserable time, but it sounds like with the women, every time they get transferred to a new location, things improve for them. Got it. Um, so in the 1960s, they ended up having to get relocated again. And this is a quote on the conditions that they moved into the women. Until I reminder, they're in- incarcerated. They were housed sometimes only one or two to a room. They enjoyed badminton, volleyball, and even a swimming pool. Their families were allowed to visit and could bring in a picnic lunch. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Probably better than the number one jail. Right, yeah. I don't, again, I don't know. This was like a quote from somebody who probably wasn't an inmate there. So I'm sure they probably, it's it's a great time. They're having so much fun. Uh huh. Like, I I see we're just listing the perks here, but like, good point. There could have been some really, horrid abuse um not trying to sneak past that but it in this one quote it's like okay so like they it sounds it sounds pleasant it sounds like a pleasant experience based on this one quote which i'm sure is um messed up in some way so now back to the men i just wanted to give the women a highlight for a second so back to the men the on like the proper Missouri State Penitentiary cell block. The average number of inmates in this prison at one time was around 2,000 um, throughout its time. The peak, one time it got up to 5,200, which is... Oh, my gosh. More than double. Yeah. And there were times where there were up to six inmates per cell, and the conditions were obviously not so great, especially in the 1800s before people, like, really were trying to care at all. So Yikes. um, Just to give you some juxtaposition of what the women might have been dealing with yeah yeah in 1954 uh time traveling a little bit there but in 1954 the biggest riot in jail's history happened where inmates faked being sick so the guards would check on them in their cell and then they beat up those guards and grabbed their keys and just ran down the hall and unlocked everybody (gasps) And everyone started breaking windows. They started breaking property. They started attacking people. There were a few people in solitary who they like tortured, like, like the, the inmates, instead of trying to get out, were just like attacking each other, throwing concrete at each other. Um, oh my God. Like it was just like chaos, true chaos. Yeah. yeah. Um, the riot lasted all night and the guards were so outnumbered that they ended up having to call in. The highway patrol, three different cities worth of police departments, and the National Guard. Oh, boy. Um, Because at the time, I think there was like 2,500 people locked up during this riot. So it was 2,500 people versus like, I don't know, in my mind, 10 guards. So ultimately, this, they try, uh, I'm sure a lot of inmates tried to escape that day. But the results of this riot was that four inmates died. Um, somewhere between 30 and 50 inmates and guards were injured and shockingly zero escaped really, but the damages were estimated at $5 million in 1954, which is $52 million. (gasps) How is that even possible? $52 million. I don't even know how you could like, how is that all of the budget you had for the last several years or something? Like there's no way that the prison 
cost more than that in no my mind. No way, not 52 mil. That's, I mean, it's, what was it then? Five million? Five million in 1954. Like what they break that could possibly have been worth that much? Well, all I know is that um, the prison had been flooded. Uh, there was like f a several inches of water on the floor um, when everything was able to calm down. There was a bunch of uh, fires that had been set um, by oh, rioters boy. and the fires severely burned a lot of the buildings and uh, a lot of furniture was destroyed. A lot of people were hurt. So I don't know how yeah. they equated it, but it sounds like every window and piece of property was damaged in some way. So, wow. Um, but in my mind, a prison like doesn't have $52 million worth of anything. Like that's what I'm thinking. But cause I'm like, if you're taking away all of the luxuries of life, like, Tables and chairs, and fifty-two not, million dollars. I don't know. I don't know how your, it works. It's not M's troll hole. I mean, the furniture. I'm is, saying, no. Uh, yeah, I wonder because it's not also like they obviously had computer, digital, anything digital, like fancy, you know, technology. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's pretty wild. Um, so as for the injuries, most of them came from the fact that the troopers had to open fire on people mm. just to get them to calm down because nothing else was working. Oh, God. Um, they oh, God. were like on the roofs of the buildings, just shooting into the windows. At one point, there was like 18 different uh, guards who had to come in with machine guns. Like, Holy they, shit. it was everything they could. I don't know. I guess they just could not keep it down. Um, and the next day, everyone and everything was searched by guards and another hundred cops who volunteered to come in and help with the searches. And they ended up finding in the prison sledgehammers, axe handles, screwdrivers, scissors, files, and shanks, unquote, uh, all hidden all around the prison. Yeah. Uh, none of the research I did, by the way, I was looking through Google on every page I could find. I watched a bunch of different TV shows and nowhere seems to explain just how violent this prison was or why it was called the bloodiest 47 acres until I watched destination fear. That was the only one who like really leaned into the narrative that this had I, had I not watched that episode, I would have completely not discussed how violent this prison was. Oh my goodness. To a point where like, I am still kind of paranoid that I was watching a different prison episode uh, on destination <laughs> fear. Cause I was like, why is nobody else talking about this? Like they really just took a completely different angle than everyone Weird. else. So, um, anytime I say anything that sounds shocking goes probably through destination fear. Okay. One, um, piece of evidence to how violent this place was, was that in 1963 in that year alone, there were 550 separate assaults and hundreds of stabbings. Oh, shit. One of the worst punishments, this is a quote from uh, one of the historians, is that they had a cat of nine tails, oh. leather straps with shards of metal and glass on the end oh. to fillet a man's flesh. Oh. Another quote is uh, from a different uh, historian. The most... The most lashings was 99 lashes at one time. They would gauge how bad it was by how deep the blood would be in your shoes. <gasps> oh, my God. And when Missouri State Prison had a death row, it was in a dungeon cell block called The Hole in the basement. Ooh. Where not just the uh, death row inmates were, but the unruly and unstable. So if you had a mental illness... Great. Just in case they didn't want to deal with you. 
Um, allegedly, they would inject you with antipsychotics and just bring it down there. And put you in the hole. Nothing good happens in the, in the hole. No. And especially because in the hole, there were people who stayed down there for years and years and years at a time. And they would come back later blind, mentally, like <gasps> they said, mentally insane. Yikes. And then um, one person came out. He was he was blind. He had lost his sanity and he died a few days later because he had been in the hole for so long. That's the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. People who were left in the dungeon cells, they were only allowed one hour of exercise in a cage. Um, and other than that, they were in complete darkness the whole time. There were sometimes up to 10 to 15 people per cell, and the only light they could see came from under a door. And even just looking at a guard would get them punished every I mean, now and this then. is just sick. There was uh, one inmate called Firebug Johnson, where he was called Firebug because he apparently, I don't know if this was during the riot or not, but at one point he tried to set the prison on fire. So he was brought down to the dungeon, and he lived there. Um for a very long time i'll let the title of his book let you know how it went when he he somehow survived this and when released and wrote he wrote a, a book book i mean we barely wrote a book and i have lived a Imagine, life of privilege he, honestly he must have written it in his head and just memorized word for word and all he needed was pen and paper by the end like just yeah. to be like let me just jot this thing down i've been memorizing for years because otherwise what else are you going to do with your time and also how did he survive keeping his sanity by the end right. of this because the book is titled buried alive for 18 years in the missouri penitentiary that's horrific i mean i i would read that i wonder if he probably talks about it about what yeah. he did to keep himself kind of oh well, he, i think a lot of the pages were about him just trying to daily cope with it yeah terrible um and remember how i said the inmates were forced to work and build their own jail this mm. included their gas chamber Ah. So when Missouri ah. State Penitentiary opened, the uh, original standard for executions was hangings. But in 1937, inmates installed the gas station, not the gas station, the gas chamber using the same limestone as the rest of the building. Oh, fuck. So now a gas chamber made of limestone. So you tell me how that goes in a paranormal world. Yeah. 40 people died in the gas chambers uh, at Missouri State Penitentiary, and the gas chamber was an option until 1989. Really? Mm-hmm. And around this time, uh, around the time that executions were stopped at Missouri State, very fucked up, fun fact, the last execution at Missouri State Penitentiary was the only one to not be in a gas chamber and it was the first to be a lethal injection mm. of all the inmates who died there and the extra fucked up part was that just because they had the space they the lethal injection was done in the gas chamber. oh my god what on earth yeah so death penalty is inhumane i'm sorry mm -hmm. i'm very anti-death penalty i don't know if anyone knows that about me but I think they could probably read the room. I think they can uh, read the room. <laughs> Sorry if you disagree, everybody, but yikes. So when executions ended here, um, all of the 70 death row inmates who were waiting their turn, yikes, they were all transferred to a new prison in Potosi, I think is the name of the town. Mm -hmm. So um, executions ended in 1989. I think it was, yeah, it was right after the, the lethal injection one. Um, and then all those inmates were transferred. So okay. of the people who died here, 
Only one was a woman. It was by the gas chamber. Mm -hmm. Her name was Bonnie Hetty. And she not only was the only female inmate to be executed, but she was executed here with her boyfriend because they together kidnapped a little boy and killed him. (gasps) Oh, no. So I think the story went that they held this kid for ransom. And it was a lot. I think it was like the most amount of money that a ransom note had been up at Ooh. up until that point it was like over half a million dollars Jeez. and uh i think the story goes that the dad was able to find the money to give them to have Aww. his son back and the the within a few hours the son had already been killed and so they don't know why they even asked for the That's ransom terrible within an hour or two the so the boy was gonna die so um Jeez. they were i think executed together uh, as as a couple which is like oh god i guess i don't even know if that's considered so humane or not. yeah no that's i don't know how to explain that but it feels like there's some weird poetry to that yeah and what's very weird is next to the gas chamber right next to the door where they would like close you in there's a picture of all 40 mugshots of the people who died in what there. and why would you do that I guess just to put faces to the oh, names. Oh, now. Not like back then. It wasn't like, hold no. still, we're going to put your photo no, on the No, there's like a, there's a framed picture of all the mugshots uh, people who died Oh, there. so like to honor them, sort of. Yeah. Okay. And then um, right next to the gas chamber is a parking lot, which I'm not kidding when I say right next to, like you could, you're not even 10 feet away from a parking lot. So when you just randomly park there now, you oh, just how see weird. the gas chamber. How freaky. And and the parking lot is on top of a potter's field of hundreds of inmates. <gasps> Ooh, what's so your parking par- lot for? Is it for like an edible arrangements or something? I really? don't know because there is a fence uh, around it. So I wonder if it's oh, like a general parking lot or if it's for the penitentiary. I'm unsure. I hope but, it's for uh, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> yeah, like something like oddly n- not on really brand. innocent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's hundreds of people, unmarked graves, who are all buried underneath a parking lot, Jeez. feet away from a gas chamber where 40 people died. So, uh-huh. yowza. Made of limestone, by the way. <laughs> Made of limestone. Um, and there were several inmates who lived here, by the way. This includes serial killers Robert Berdella and Charles Ray Hatcher, um, who actually died by suicide in his own cell here. Another is um, MLK's assassin, James Earl Ray. Oh. Uh, he actually escaped. This is like a weird story about him. I didn't know. He escaped this prison in a bread truck. Ooh. And then he fled to Mexico and became a porn director. What? And then he came back to the U.S. and that's when he assassinated um, Martin Luther King. Oh, this was his pre. Yeah, that was his story. Assassination and- story. Yeah. Oh my yep. God, what? There was also Charles Pretty Boy Floyd, who I've heard about a million times in my life, but I don't know who he is. I think he's a robber. And then uh, Firebug Johnson. Uh, and then uh, oh, I forgot to write his first name. That's so embarrassing. But a professional boxer by the last name Liston. If you're into boxing, you would know who he is because he is a heavyweight champion. Yeah, he's who very fought, famous. Who uh, fought Muhammad Ali? Yeah, Sonny Liston, I think. Yeah, Sonny Liston. Sonny that's Liston. It, that's right. That's right, Sonny Liston. So he actually started boxing while inside because he had nothing to do, and I guess someone was there to like write up an article 
like he someone like at a, from a newspaper was at the jail and saw him boxing and was so impressed that he took it upon himself to renegotiate Sonny Liston's parole terms. Whoa. And then I guess like was his chaperone or something, but the, the prison started letting um, the prison uh, helped negotiate his terms for this guy. And then this like newspaper publisher start entering him in boxing matches. Oh my God. And within a year he was a heavyweight champion. Whoa. So that guy was what like quite story. the talent scout. He like saw, he Seriously. saw potential. Um, anyway, those are just some of the inmates, but in 1991, the Missouri state penitentiary's name was changed, changed to the Jefferson city correctional center, but then changed back in 2003. And then changed back again to the Jefferson city correctional center. It was a weird dance that they were doing for a while, but it, it just started swapping names. And by 2004, within that year, the actual prison was decommissioned. Oh, and now the Jefferson city correctional center is opened in its place. It's still like a, an abandoned decommissioned prison. So I don't totally know what they do there, but it was renamed. So it's not an active jail anymore. It's not an active jail anymore. Oh, okay. But it does hold the title of the oldest continually operating prison, the West of the Mississippi, which I feel like I've heard a million things or something <laughs> from the West of the Mississippi. And I just always thought that was a saying. I didn't know anyone actually measured a ranking with that, but okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, the prison was open for 168 years, and the gas chamber is still there for <gasps> for people to see. And... Across from the prison, across from the actual facility, is um, a home called the Marmaduke House. Oh. And inside of that is the Missouri State Penitentiary Museum, which is where you can go to get information about tours at the prison. Interesting. So these tours, I haven't heard about this one before, but I think this is super interesting. They offer a photography tour. So if you're just into architectural photography or abandoned places photography. Oh, that's cool. You just, a guide will just go with you while you shoot for as long as you want. And I thought that was super cool. That's really neat. Then there was, um, they have overnight paranormal investigations and they have select mystery tours, which is a tour that is led by an ex-inmate oh, as your tour guide. Oh, that's interesting. Which I think is super interesting. There's also one, um, reg, it seems, he seems like a regular tour guide, uh, that was an ex uh guard there so i wonder if the ex-guard and the ex-inmate know each other and if there's any like bad blood (laughs) but i wonder yeah that's got to be weird so fun fact in the 80s back when death row was a thing a rec yard was being built for the death row inmates and because i guess they had to have their own separate area for rec time sure and during the crew's digging they hit something and they oh. ended up finding multiple long forgotten cells that were from the 1840s <gasps> Ooh, i just got goose cam so they found nine doorways because i guess there used to actually be a lower <gasps> level of the jail and i guess when they didn't need those cells anymore they just covered it with dirt and just started How a new freaky to find doors level. to cells and you're digging yeah exactly yeah it feels like a portal to hell not to be too zach bagans about it but it feels very <laughs> much like you just found a whole building under the ground um so they found nine different doorways and you could still see the original cell numbers on some of them <gasps> 
How freaky. So I guess these doors were part of a cell block called Centennial Hall, but nobody remembers hey, why it was, was called that. that was my dorm room in college. Oh, God. Okay. Well, no Shout comment. out. <laughs> I, to hell. I, I was going to say, trust me, I am not failing to see the irony there. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, so nobody remembered why it was called Centennial Hall, but also nobody even really remembered that Centennial Hall was a thing. So there were people that, when people found out about this, a bunch of um, former guards got interviewed being like, did you know about these cells? And they were saying like, we've never heard about this. The people that were senior to us never talked about it. So like nobody, nobody heard about this, which kind of makes me wonder why people know it was called Centennial Hall, but maybe there's a, I was wondering, maybe there's a blueprint or something somewhere in hindsight, but yeah, everyone apparently had just completely forgotten about this. That's and the, freaky. The doorways were from the 1840s, so anyone who would have remembered what was from 100 years ago anyway. Yeah. And as of the last article I saw on it, these doorways were being dug up and exhumed and inspected, and hopefully they can be added as part of future tours. Wow, that's really cool. And now for the ghosts. So there were hundreds of investigations that have been done at Missouri State um, because there were obviously many deaths, many brutal murders here, both guards and inmates involved in that. We're talking Missouri State. This is not like the school, right? We're talking just no penitentiary. It's not related, right? No, I know okay. your brain is still on your college dorm room. Well, but, you said um, at, at Missouri State, and I just want to make sure everyone's not like, oh, I went to school there or something. I don't know. No, hundreds of investigations on the many brutal deaths at the jail. And the people jail. often hear knocks and voices and footsteps. They hear whistling, banging, cell doors slamming, children and dogs, men screaming from <gasps> the dungeon. <sighs> and after watching enough um, shows on this, the sounds are pretty incredible. Like... There's clearly heavy footsteps shuffling, very obvious male voices talking to you. Like, I feel like every show I watched got something and it was like not even something you had to second guess. Um, People feel heavy in certain areas. They feel dread. They feel sadness. People will also physically feel someone bumping into them, grabbing them, touching them. They'll feel cold breeze. They'll feel hot breath on them. And people will feel really sick or like they're being torn apart from the inside. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. No. Um, so people also smell cigarettes and overwhelming body odor, which might be because so many people were crowded together in the yeah, cells. Yeah, sure. And I assume the hygiene, uh, the hygiene situation was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, they, people see shadows of pr- old prisoners hiding in the cells and reaching out of the cells. Oh, like, oh their arms. Freaky. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, they also see apparitions that have looked so real that tour guides have actually stopped tours in the middle and called cops to search the area, thinking someone had broken in. Can you imagine how scary that would be? Like, As your, a- your tour guide being like, I need to call the police real quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the here's another... Fun fact, I guess. The prison was haunted even before it was decommissioned, when no. it was a prison. So uh, there are guards and cell, uh, not cell members, inmates. I was thinking cellmates. Um, there are guards and inmates who have all said that they used to see things. Um, there's one guide who says that he, when he was a guard, this is the guy who was formerly a guard and now he's a tour guide. Yeah. 
he remembers seeing an inmate just come absolutely walk right past him out the door and turn the corner while he was talking to somebody. <gasps> and he got mad because he, that guy was breaking the rules. He thought that they were like counting up people sure. or something. So he was like ready to like charge after this guy and be like, Hey, come back. But when he turned the corner, he wasn't there. This guy ended up looking all over the building being like, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? Apparently he had blonde hair and a white t-shirt. Um, and he just was strolling right out of the building. And, <laughs> and this, this guard, the guy he was originally talking to, he was an inmate and he went, Oh yeah, that guy, like he's, you're not going to find him. Like he's, <gasps> he's gone. Oh, that's and, freaky. And the guy was like, yeah, he had blonde hair and a white t-shirt. Right. And so both of the, the inmate and the guard both saw this person at the same time. Wow. That's and he freaky. was not real. I hope I explained that right. I feel like no, I you did. Or, or, well, well, I don't know if you explained right, but I got it. Whatever <laughs> your brain saying. connected with my brain. And that's I know all that what matters. you meant. <laughs> People also see apparitions of, inmates going in and out of the cells um you always feel someone f like watching you or coming up behind you apparently in uh certain areas like the female ward people will see women in vintage clothing and they could either be in vintage prisoners clothing or they could be in like high collared dresses mm. people have also seen a man outside near the fence and in a hall which is the oldest remaining building that seems to be a big hotspot where people get a lot of EVPs, objects move, equipment malfunctions, and spirits are seen walking on the catwalk. Ooh. So in a hall, there was a cell number 48 where an inmate was bludgeoned with a sledgehammer <gasps> by other inmates for, I think, snitching. Um, one account said that people actually used the hammer to also break through the wall of his cell to get to him. <gasps> Oh, that's morbid. Oh, I hate that. Imagine just hearing your own wall getting broken into and yeah. knowing that that same thing's going to yeah. get you. Ugh. Apparently now in that cell, it's obviously a very dark feeling in there. People have gotten distorted figures in their pictures of that cell. People have also seen a man in a white coat and a clipboard nearby this cell, and he walks very fast. So I guess um, people call his spirit Fast Jack. <laughs> well, that's not scary at all. No, just <laughs> moving real quick, darting just around up behind you. Um, and so, well, this also is the Midwest, right? So maybe he goes, "Oh, just gonna scoot right oh, past oh. you." <laughs> Pardon me. Oh, <laughs> that's the ghost you want. And so uh, the. Also, cellmates in this area claim to hear whole conversations in empty cells, or they would think that their cellmate was talking to them when they were actually asleep. Oh, well, that's annoying. That's kind so of just, annoying. Just hearing voices in every room. It's awful. Also, in the gas chamber, I feel like every single video I watched, someone was experiencing a weirdly fast racing heartbeat, which, um, as someone with what I'm going through right now, I don't think I could medically handle the gas chamber at this moment. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think I would even want to. Um, no, I wouldn't want to. But if everyone else with normal hearts is saying that they feel like their heartbeat is out of control. Yeah. I don't need to find out. You don't need to mess with that. Uh, and like that part in all of the shows, I was like weirdly like not triggered, but I was like scared for myself. I was like, oh, if I ever went there, like I'm glad I'm being warned now. Yeah, seriously. So also people in the gas chamber claim that there is a female spirit, probably Bonnie, because she was the only woman who died oh, sure. there. They hear a woman talking in the gas chamber, and apparently people have heard 
a woman saying the word love, which she was executed with her boyfriend. That's true. So people think that maybe she was, maybe the last thing she said, she was trying to say, I love you and died before she could finish the sentence or something. Um, So in the dungeon, people get their hair tugged, their ankles grabbed, they get scratched. They see shadow figures that are darker than pitch black. And a man with half a face lives there. Uh, what the basement cells of three the three cell block three hall okay um they apparently one guide says it is the creepiest place on the property the same guide said quote there's an odd energy down there it can be any size any shape it can sound like a little kid it could sound (gasps) like your sister (gasps) oh ew so it's like a shapeshifter like mimics yeah yuck also, apparently, in the in the three hall basement cells, there is a giant shadow figure that opens its mouth and silently screams. Good night. Goodbye. Yep. I don't want to be a part of that. And as we mentioned a bunch of times earlier, interestingly, the Missouri State Penitentiary was built out of limestone, which is mm. known to really um, instigate paranormal activity, encourage it, if you will. Um, so that can't be helpful. No. And... The Missouri State Penitentiary has also been featured on Ghost Hunters, Destination Fear, and Ghost Adventures. So M will never know because I secretly changed my password. Well, I found out anyway. I just did it in an unsavory way. So I understand. Okay. Uh, wink, wink. So wink, wink. As of Destination Fear, they got some pretty creepy stuff. The main thing was that there was a lot of very loud dragging and a lot of very loud banging in the dungeon. And also in the dungeon, uh, the music box went off by itself. Um, the paranormal music box, which is very creepy. Mm. And in the gas chamber, uh, one of the people was talking about how before the gas would come on in the chamber to let the inmate know that the gas was about to come in, the guard would knock three times on the door. (gasps) And so one of the uh, investigators knocked on the door three times and a <gasps> loud bang knocked back on the other side of the door. That is horrifying. That was the worst. And then they were like, okay, so maybe we're talking to Bonnie since she's known to haunt this area. Sure. So the investigators were sitting in the chairs of the gas chamber talking to Bonnie and using an Ovilus, the very creepy Microsoft Sam voice. Yeah. And they said, how did you end up here? And the ovulus said, bury, as in, like, they buried a kid. <gasps> then, they said, then they said, why did you even kill the kid if you got your ransom money? And the ovulus said, killed. Which oh. they took as, like, it just, they just, that Bonnie just wanted to kill. But I don't know. How, okay. So that was super creepy. Um, that was Destination Fear. And the, those were the highlights of Destination Fear. And then as for Ghost Adventures, I kept waiting for Zach to say something really wild. He, unfortunately, I did not get that moment this Whoa. time. He seems to actually be taking it pretty seriously when I think someone said gas chamber to him. And he was like, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, so on the walkthrough, pretty immediately, Zach starts acting out of character he starts feeling really sad at the end of the dungeon or at the end of the hole um and when he comes back later to this spot because he knew he had been affected by it he gets there and his stomach starts feeling really bad like to a point where it becomes part of the running narrative of this episode that he like really feels bad he does inform everyone he did not have diarrhea that day (laughs) Uh, thank you we were all wondering (laughs) 
He said, for science, I wasn't experiencing diarrhea. So actually, you know what? He did throw me a good one. I was going to say, that's pretty bonkers. But he was he looked like he was not feeling good. And so as Zach leaves the room, because I think he's like, fuck this. Like, I don't I don't feel good. Um, a huge bang is heard behind him where he had just been standing. Mm -mm. And then while complaining about his stomach to people, another bang happens behind him. Mm -mm. Um, In the basement, they got some very loud, very creepy male voices and footsteps in real life, or like in real time, they were able to hear that. And probably the creepiest part to me of all of Ghost Adventures or any of the shows that I saw about the Missouri State Penitentiary was... The Ghost Adventures crew decided that they were going to hang out in Nerve Center, which mm-hmm. is where they like have all their monitors and computers. And they left an ovulus down in the, I think in the dungeon or in the basement or somewhere. And they just using a walkie talkie that they had left in the basement through Nerve Center, they were just sitting there talking into the walkie talkie and asking the ovulus questions. And then they had the ovulus like a camera next to the machine <gasps> so they could see from Nerve Center what the ovulus was saying. Cool. So it was kind of just like a, a remote, it was like Zoom calling with the ghost, I guess. They were like, <laughs> I like that. A working from home situation. Ghostly Zoom call. And so they were walkie talking questions into the basement to see what the ovulus would say. And they asked, if you talk to us, we can help you. And the ovulus says, Reverend. Ooh. And they said, why do you need a reverend? Do you have any last words? <gasps> and the ovulus said, information. And then they were like, information about what? And the ovulus went, Jesus. Which I like that it feels like <laughs> feels like kind of like a Karen moment of like, I have some questions about Jesus real quick. Like, hang on, I, I need... <laughs> I need some more, some some clearer, further detail. I think it sounds detail. like Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on the door like, hello, would you like to learn about Jesus today? I have oh, some information on your car's extended warranty and also. See, uh, I saw it as like a, this spirit was like, um, I died and I got some things to ask. I have to ask about Jesus because I where I'm still here. That does not make sense. <laughs> like, uh, can a reverend explain what's going on? Because last I checked, I was supposed to be going somewhere else. Um. So the obvious said, information, Jesus, Jehovah's Witness. I'm just kidding. I just thought that. Oh, funny. my God. I was like, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, so he said, Reverend, why do you have, why do you need a Reverend? Do you have any last words? Information, Jesus. And then the obvious said, change and Bible. Oh. Which all those words together makes me feel like they were saying like, I need to talk to a Reverend because I want to, I want to change. And so I can like. Like you know, move leave on this or place. something. Yeah. yeah. Seconds after saying the word Bible, uh, it says demon. And then, oh. and by the way, like, then Ovulus does not say that many words that quickly on its own for the most part. Like, usually you're waiting like every five minutes or so a word might come up. It does not as quickly as it is here go information, Jesus, change, Bible, demon. That's... Not, not usually how it goes. So, and I don't, maybe they know how to finagle equipment, but I, I don't think there's a way to explain that unless it's really happening. It's especially for all those words to get strung along all at the same time. Cause I feel like like an obvious will say like book, cigarette, grapefruit, dog. Yeah. Like it, like <laughs> it just shouts random words or that's how it feels sometimes. So for it to be saying things within a theme is very odd. Bible, Jesus, reverend demon like yeah. those alone that's not good for me 
And then uh, they got they caught on camera two very loud bangs in the room that make no sense. And then the ovulus said, now lost trapped. <gasps> which very which makes me feel like it's saying like, I need to talk to a reverend. Help I need Jesus. I'm trapped here. That's, That's so it, sad. Um, the next thing that the ovulus says, again, says all three of these words together, which it is not normal for an ovulus to say a full fucking sentence. But the ovulus said three words all at the same time, and it was twist men apart. <gasps> I know. Oh, my God. And then Nick says something like, oh, that's how Zach described his stomach earlier when he was down there. He said that he wasn't feeling good. And he was just saying this to his his friend. Like, oh, yeah, that's what that's what Zach was saying. He said, like, he felt like he was being, like, ripped apart. And then the ovulus said, see, Nick. <laughs> As in, like, like an immediate response of, like, yeah, you fucking get it. That's what I'm trying to get get the point across to. Oh, my God. That was eerie to me. I don't That's know how to explain that. Creepy. And then I'm just going to end on this, which I thought was very interesting. But um, one of the deputy wardens uh, that used to work here, he was uh, interviewed by the Ghost Adventures people. His name was Mark Schreiber. And uh, he wrote a poem while he was there, I guess, um, oh. because he was one of the last deputy wardens. The prison was decommissioned in 2004, and he wrote this in 2000. So I feel like he wrote this when he was there. Yeah. And apparently the poem is called A Hall, Missouri State Penitentiary. So or maybe it was at the location. I don't know if that was not the title. Are he you said read it. I am. Oh, but I don't know if he was just jotting down the location or if he called it A Hall, Missouri State Penitentiary. But. This is by Mark Schreiber, deputy warden. Okay. And it's so good. I was like, oh shit. Like I, I'm, I'm into this. At I first I was, wait. at first I was like, I, I don't know how this is going to fly, but yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I'm into this. So well done, Mr. Schreiber. The presence I feel as I walk through these halls, looking and touching these massive stone walls, walls that are smooth and cold to the touch walls of lost history and killing and such. In the dim light, a specter I feel, walking and stalking. Oh, yes, it is real. For this is a place where dead men are kept, a place where I, as their keeper, once crept. So look as you will as you pass through this space, for it is the tomb of our lost human race. Glance in a mirror as through life you race, so the specter I saw won't surprise you someplace, as the specter you see may be your own face. Oh, and spooky. I was like, I feel like he happened to mention to Zach, like, oh, yeah, I have a poem about how haunted this place is. And Zach was like, get that shit to me now. <laughs> so, did, he, did Zach read it or did the. No, the, he let he let he okay, let good. Mark that Schreiber was, read it. That was good. But it, it was so eerie. I was like, wow, the fact that also if it was time stamped at, from the year 2000. So like it wasn't like he did this for ghost adventures like right. he was clearly talking about the ghost before anyone was filming him that is so so spooky anyway that is the mystery the missouri state penitentiary that was a good one em i got a lot of gasps in on that story i i heard them i heard them all twist men apart i oh i know ooh. isn't that crazy like the an ovulus i've i've never heard of an ovulus saying a whole goddamn sentence and yeah especially like i don't know not, I don't know if grammatically correct is the right word, but I would imagine if I heard 
an ovulus say multiple words at once, it, they may not make sense together and you'd have to guess how they all relate to each other. But that's a full sentence as far as I'm concerned. I didn't that, like it at that all. That is. And the, the other ones being so religious and it's not like the mm-hmm. ovulus only has like certain religious leaning ghostly words. Like it has yeah, totally it has... random English words. Mm-hmm. Ugh, creepy. Oy, oy, oy. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. And I'm sorry that I it took so long for me to cover that, but... I'm, I gotta say, I'm very excited that I was able to do a super haunted penitentiary story because we don't get Me a lot too. of this anymore. I feel like uh, we we were due for kind of a creepy jail story. It's been and a while. I, I think it's one of the only maximum state penitentiaries that you can still either tour or do paranormal investigations at. I think there's only like five or six of them oh, that really? are out there. Yeah. Well, you know, my mother-in-law grew up in Missouri and I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure in Jefferson City, or at least JC in JC. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I, I might be misstating that, but I know she's told me like that uh, that jail does tours and stuff, so um, hmm. she'll probably know a little about it. But yeah, we can go visit Blaze's grandparents and uh, go on ah! a little, little tour. Wait, you mean I can go on another group date with you? Hang on How a second. F- uh, this is what I do. I drag everyone along Zandy, with me. Zandy, are you driving or something? Or driving, are you driving us. <laughs> <laughs> if thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo. And make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside. A list of its all-natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant, of course. And all their products are preservative-free, too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. Uh, Anyway, the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos, serrano peppers, and other savory herbs. Plus, they've got a hot sauce with a tangy, spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals. It's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos. I sort of feel like they're reading my mind because I put salsa on almost everything, but specifically, I use their salsa. I use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast. And I don't know how the script knew that maybe everybody eats this but i always make toast with avocado and then i put scrambled eggs on top and i put salsa i can't eat it without salsa and the green mountain gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to i mean any meal if you're me but definitely the eggs avocado toast situation visit greenmountaingringo.com and start shopping use the store locator to find green mountain gringo products get inspiration for recipes and purchase products using promo code podcast 24 for 20 percent off that's promo code podcast 24 and don't forget to check out their backside <laughs> eating better is easy with factors delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes there's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required, and it's less expensive than takeout. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. I found myself recently recommending Factor to so many people in my life and this food is really good so blaze and i actually get to pick our own meals every week and you know separate them in the little drawer in the fridge and 
uh, make sure the other keeps their hands off. I personally love the cold brew smoothies. Those are always my go-to in the morning if I'm running around dropping Leona off, don't have time to cook myself breakfast. It's a great solution. Head to factormeals.com slash drink50 and use code drink50 to get 50% off. That's code drink50 at factormeals.com slash drink50 to get 50% off. Okay, well, I just, wait, oh my God. What? Sorry, my story is from Missouri today and it's from the 1800s. Ah, oh my gosh. Okay, hang on. Wait, what happened? Wait, okay, hang on. This is so weird. All right, sorry. I always hoped, okay, so every time I I get to do a story where I mention a killer in mine, where I was like, oh, the inmates were the <gasps> serial killer. I always hope that it's the person you're going to cover. Ah, I don't think I mentioned, oh my gosh, no. Well, I don't know. Probably we'll have not. To... I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I always hope it That's a little bit. That's such a fun little, uh, or if you mentioned the ghost of someone and then I cover mm-hmm. that person. Um, One day we'll get there. It'll be a very fun moment for us and nobody else. Penitentiary. I'm going to see if this guy was, was there. But he was, oh, well. He was taken to the state prison in Carson City. So I guess that's a different one. That's Cece. That's Cece. My mistake. (laughs) My mistake. Uh, How dare I get them confused? Um, Okay. So this actually was the story I covered in Kansas City, Missouri, back in the day uh, when we did a live show there. Uh Uh-huh. Your Fall Out Boy shirt. I got the Fall Out Boy shirt. Oh, the best day of my life. Do you remember who gave that to me? I think there... his name was Riley, right? Riley. I almost said Reagan. Riley, Riley uh, gave me that shirt. That was so, I still have it, obviously, uh, kept in a very safe place. And I'm not going to tell you because some robbers might come find it. I was going to say what? Because you think I'm going to like, like blow my nose in it or something? I'm I gonna... <laughs> <laughs> well, now I think that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So this is the story of Milton Sharp, the inconvenient outlaw. Uh, okay. Well, Sign me up because I'm so it sounds excited about this one. Sounds exactly <laughs> like someone I would like to be. I'd like to be named the uh, the inconvenient anything. Really, you would be. I know you said this before, but you would be the inconvenient ghost. You would like put everything two inches to the right and like yeah. screw up everybody's uh, furniture arrangement and stuff the, like that. The Jim Halpert of ghosts is yeah. really all I attain. <laughs> yeah. I just want ev- I just want to slowly gaslight people for eternity. Just like wow, you that's don't... so nice of you. Thank you Isn't for admitting that on air. It's very. It's not well, toxic whatsoever. Because like in my mind, I'm like, <sighs> once I'm dead, like. I'm going to need something to entertain me for the rest of time. So I'm, mm-hmm. I might probably become evil, like not demonic evil, but certainly in an inconvenience way, I would be the devil. Just a problematic ghost. Just to fuck with people. I think <sighs> I would, I would have a real kick out of it. God. And then if people wanted to be mad at me, I'd be like, I'm dead. Okay. Like, yeah, let me over it. Let me live. Let me have this. Let me live. Okay. <laughs> let me live as a, as a dead person. Okay. God live a little. All right. So, uh, a lot of this information I got from TomRizzo.com, uh, and he wrote up a lot of this information. But this is the story of Milton Sharp, the inconvenient outlaw. He was born in 1846 in Lee's Summit, Missouri, uh, which is about 20 miles from Kansas City. He moved to California as a teenager in 1869 and began working in the mines. But when he reached his early 30s, he decided he wanted an easier way to make money. Okay. And that was to rob stagecoaches. So. Oh obviously Uh, what else would it be right so it's a uh so a stagecoach is a large closed horse lawn horse (laughs) what is it it's a horse or a lawn (laughs) 
This is what I have quoted, okay? Let me read it again. Yeah, it's- read it slower because I really <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. This is what I have written down. It's a large closed horse, horse, lawn, vehicle. <laughs> what? That, 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 meant- didn't, that didn't help me. I think I meant horse-drawn vehicle. <laughs> Oh, that is what you meant, 100%. Horse, horse, lawn. What was it? It's like oh duck, duck, God. goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, Christina. Okay, I'm sorry. Horse, horse, lawn. lawn. Poor Tom Rizzo. I'm like, I got all this information from Tom Rizzo. He's like, <laughs> He's I didn't like, fucking no, you say didn't. that. He's <laughs> like, no, you did not. I'm so sorry. Okay, it's a closed horse-drawn vehicle formerly used to carry passengers and oftentimes mail. Uh, along a route between two places. So, mm-hmm. I mean, makes sense. Sounds pretty horse-drawn to me. Horse Sounds pretty horse-drawn. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, Milton Sharp teamed up with this guy named W.C. Jones, whose alias was Frank Dow, and the two began preying on stagecoaches, go- specifically Wells Fargo stagecoaches. And if you see the uh, the logo for Wells Fargo, it's still that old stagecoach. Mm-hmm. It's the Wells Fargo logo. Also, I think it's Sacramento. They have... Um, uh like the original wells fargo there or like a, a wells yeah. fargo that still looks like it did from when it opened <sighs> in the 1800s and you can go in there and like make yourself old like a bank note like what? or you can make yourself um like they have all the old versions of documents that you can <gasps> fill out with like a pen and quill and stuff how cool is that i wrote something i did something or maybe it's like a telegraph you pay like you're your own telegraph where like you basically get to write a note to somebody and then you That's pay for so it. <laughs> cool. It's not the real setup, but as like a tchotchke, if you wanted to treat yourself, you can go in and like buy a fake teller's note or something. And, um, I got one for Allison. I don't know where it is anymore, but I, when we were on tour in Sacramento, that was like my that favorite thing. It's so neat. They really make you feel like you time traveled. That's so cool. That's your dream. I mean, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so basically they were targeting these Wells Fargo stagecoaches and back then they were known to carry quote treasure boxes, which were filled with gold and silver. And they would carry these from Nevada to California. So this was obviously a very dangerous thing to be doing just horse drawing like boxes of treasure across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're, they're carrying these, uh, Sharp and his partner are, uh, targeting them. And so Sharp and Jones had served a stretch at San Quentin before meeting up uh, in Bodie, California. And uh, Jones, this partner guy, was described as famous for his heavy drinking, large beard, and scary sounding voice. So Whoa. he was a good partner to have, I guess, if you're going to be robbing people. Sure. But whereas Jones was loud and aggressive, Milton Sharp, the uh, inconvenient outlaw, was not exactly the traditional outlaw or what you would consider a sneaky snake he was well-dressed courteous and always concerned with the well-being of his victims oh (laughs) that sounds like a very convenient outlaw like that sounds like convenient to my safety and health (laughs) yeah not convenient to your uh gold gold jewelry but everything else maybe if i were to get robbed or put in a in a situation if i were if i felt safer physically i think i'd be more inclined to comply so that's kind of what happens yeah so you're basically right on the nose here um 
to be fair, their first robbery was kind of a flop because they walked away with only $88 and three watches. But their next robbery netted them more than $15,000 in their money, which today would be about $330,000. Wow. So they were like, Eh. good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Good for (laughs) you in a way where I'm I'm grossed out. But But I'm going to step back. Yeah. So they stuck with it. They traveled all along the Midwest and Western train routes, robbing stagecoaches. They robbed six in less than four months. And uh because of this, their exploits began hitting newspapers nationwide. Uh, in fact, so many stagecoaches stage coaches were being robbed on this one track, this Wells Fargo track to California, that a news article called the whole robbery thing monotonous. <laughs> they were like, it's getting a little boring. They're like, okay, like we need, we're honestly, I'm not stimulated on this anymore. So <laughs> the features gotta, editor was like, I'm so tired of these freaking stories. Somebody like, find gotta, something more can interesting. Can we zhuzh this up, please? A new headline, please. <laughs> Uh, But Sharp's odd mannerisms were interesting enough to keep the public fascinated. So Jones, the scary, like, bearded, beast-like guy, would hold the driver and guard at bay, and then Sharp would line up the passengers and apologetically announce the following. I'm going to put my hands like this. A thousand pardons for the inconvenience I have caused you, but you see, these are the hazards of my profession. We must relieve you of your valuables. Uh, Oh, Okay. (laughs) So very polite. <laughs> you know what? That actually is actually a lot more sinister in my mind now. Kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah, because if it's so out of sorts, it's like because now I feel like if I was approached by someone who was very very kind as they were robbing me, now in my brain I'm like, oh shit! Like you are tightly wound. Like if Something I freaky say is going no, you're gonna go from the nicest person to the craziest person. Yeah, it quick. starts to feel a little sinister. Um, yeah. It's like, I oh, I better listen now because what happens if I fight you on this? Well, for what it's worth, he was so polite that on some occasions he reportedly even returned the jewelry he stole, but only if a woman started to cry while he was robbing her. <laughs> okay, that part. Okay, noted. That's cry. me as a robber. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I, that actually is, that's 100% you. <laughs> I don't even know if you would be called the incom. I feel like the inconvenient outlaw isn't the right name for him so far. I feel I like know. it's like the weirdly empathetic outlaw. I, or yeah, like- I wonder if uh, with the the outlaw with no boundaries. That's me. Uh, with harmful self, yeah. harmful lack of boundaries. Yeah, the, <laughs> the people pleasing outlaw. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of strange. I don't know why they called him inconvenient. I wonder if it's because he would say, pardon us, pardon me for the inconvenience, but I'm mm. going to now rob you. Uh, so I think maybe that's why. Uh, but according to one woman, Sharp was one of the politest gentlemen I ever met. There was nothing vulgar or coarse about him. Everything he did was done in a businesslike way, and there was no unnecessary rudeness. Well... Thankfully, at least the rudeness was Thank avoided. God, like right? he just like tips his hat afterwards and goes, "Thank you, ma'am," and Thank go you, on ma'am. about your day. Have a splendid day. Uh, and they were just so thankful for it. Yeah, I wonder how frustrated the Jones guy got though. Like he's like up there with a knife and a holding a, and a gun holding up the driver. And Milton Sharp's like, "Oh, I'm going to return this earring to you, ma'am, because you look it's so like sad." It's like he's like the people that are like gun-toting criminals. They're like. I'm trying so hard at this and you're just like walking up to people and using manners. (laughs) You're apologizing. Yeah. (laughs) Victim said that before the robbers left, you literally called this sharp bowed and thanked the people (laughs) he had robbed for being so cooperative. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) 
That's uh, so okay. I did nail it then. He's just you did. Tip, you, tipping really, his hat and strutting along. Just strutting along. Uh, so the idea was that no one would get hurt. That was kind of one of Milton Sharp's goals. Um, because I guess that's rude to hurt somebody or kill somebody. Sure. It's certainly, if you want to talk about an inconvenient outlaw, killing someone or hurting them is certainly inconvenient for him if he just wants to move on about his day. Yeah, it's definitely getting blood on your top hat's probably not the most convenient way to begin the morning. Yeah, I wonder um, if he just saw like, if I'm nice now, then like, it's less cleanup for me later. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and that was his goal. But unfortunately, on the night of September 5th, 1880, their attempt to rob the Bodie to Carson City, Nevada stagecoach went afoul, awry, if you Sour. Will. Went sour. So Jones, the the beastly guy, allegedly quite drunk, uh, apparently decided to fire a couple of shots, but one went astray and killed one of the horses, one of the <clears throat> stagecoach horse, horses, tragically. So the Wells Fargo guard, a guy named Mike Tovey, uh, who was described as a fearless man over six feet tall, fired back at the pair, killing Jones. So oh. he murdered Sharp's partner. So during the scuffle, Sharp, uh, Sharp shot Mike Tovey in the arm, but he survived. And as he was being taken away for treatment, Sharp managed to escape in the dark and disappear into some nearby trees. But instead of fleeing, he fucking returned to the stagecoach because he still wanted to rob it. <laughs> okay. So not like always the fast thinker. Of no. The okay. No. A little too pot committed, if you will. Um, yeah. He, he returned to the stagecoach, confronted the driver at gunpoint, and ordered him to give up the strong box that held the coach's money and took $3,000 with him, leaving his partner's lifeless body behind. So... Oof. So far, so much for manners. So much for manners. Not he very like, gentlemanly, if you ask me. But again, that's the inconvenient outlaw. I feel like it needs to be changed, his name, to like... He just didn't want to be inconvenienced. Yeah. I, f I feel like there's nothing in. I so far I'm still confused because there's nothing inconvenient about him. He's like very conveniently robbing me. If there was a way to do it conveniently. Yeah. He's doing it. And the only thing that's inconvenient about him is him not wanting inconvenience after the fact. So I and guess like it's inconvenient in the way that like you're going from point A to point B. But when you get to point B, you no longer have any jewelry left. And you're like, well, that's inconvenient. It's certainly inconvenient to get robbed. But of all the ways to get robbed, it is the most convenient form of inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. Which that's is like, a good I, point. <laughs> I just feel like like everything about him is lovely until you don't have money. But at least like you felt pretty safe the whole time. And then. The only time he's like, the only time I'm ever like questioning his judgment, oddly enough, is only when he's about to be inconvenienced. Where he's like, ooh, I actually don't want to deal with my friend's corpse. So I'm just going to I actually am just going to tiptoe over that and yeah. grab the Oops, money. Oops, I'm going to scooch right past Oops. you. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse oh, me. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I don't it's know. about I'm time I go hide in the bushes. Okay. I'm trying to sound like the wine and crime girls and I can't do it. <laughs> We're doing a great job. I'm sure of it. Uh so Wells Fargo, of course, was now desperate to track him down, especially now that the Mark, or I'm sorry, Mike Tovey had gotten shot. The horse was killed. Like they're losing money left and right. Um, and so they are now on the hunt for Milton Sharp. Mm -hmm. So trained investigators were put on the task and now they had a clue, which was they had Jones's body since uh, Sharp was too inconvenienced to take it with him. You know? Uh huh. So they took a look at Jones's body and observed that he had been wearing a peculiar mask made of red Morocco leather. 
Oh, did he steal that at some point? Ooh la la. How um, did he just have that on him? Well, that's what he robbed with. He like wore it when he I was know, robbing I, people. Uh, hmm. I feel like he didn't just pull that out of a closet one day. I wanna <laughs> I wanna know wanna know the history behind this leather Moroccan mask. Okay, okay well, uh hold that thought. So however, his body unfortunately was buried before investigators realized they never checked his pockets. Now that's inconvenient. Now that's inconvenient. <laughs> that was a silly mistake on uh, not his part. <laughs> not his part. Uh, certainly not. And speaking of inconvenience, they decided uh, they were going to exhume the body because they yeah. wanted to check the pockets. And they were like, oh, to. shoot. Well, we just buried that thing. So <laughs> sure enough, they check in the pockets and they found a bank passbook with his name, a recent deposit of $1,000 and an address at a rooming house in San Francisco. So they found like all the information. Was in so his like smoking gun information. Smoking gun in the pocket. So investigators traveled to this address in San Francisco and searched the room. They find more Moroccan leather in the room. What is with this? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to ask any questions. You just keep going. <laughs> and as they're searching, guess who waltzes into the door? Frickin' Milton Sharp. Oh. <laughs> I did not know. I don't know why I didn't think the obvious answer. I thought there was going to be more of a trick to that. Okay. So Milton Sharp walks in. So Milton Sharp walks in. Um, and they tackle him. Because uh, they're like, that's the guy we're looking for. They find $2,400 cash in his pockets on him. And they arrest him. Another smoking gun, I'd like to say. They <laughs> yeah, he walked right into the room they were searching. Really not yeah. the brightest moment. So... He was arrested, and newspaper accounts described him as remarkably fine-looking, with jet black hair, a swarthy complexion, a goatee and black mustache, and eyes that shine so brightly that it is impossible to distinguish their color. Someone had a crush, I think. I know, yeah. Someone was really would Also, swarthy. What I know, is, swarthy. What does swarthy mean? I think it means kind of like... Uh, dark like olive complexion dark hair mm. i i'm pretty sure i always i guess because the first few letters are the same but in my mind swarthy is equivalent to like swashbuckling i always think of pirates okay yeah. that is explained so dark yeah so like dark dark skin dark complexioned is usually gotcha. what that means um but i always thought of pirates too and i think you're completely right that it's swash <laughs> also you don't ever think of like blonde blue-eyed pirates so like either way you were on point yeah they're at least out in the sun you know so yeah. it makes sense so milton sharp was charged with six robberies against wells fargo and a lynch mob gathered outside the jail while sharp awaited trial he was questioned intensely about the whereabouts of the money he stole but he kept his mouth shut and one day in november 1880 when a guard came to check on him Turns out Sharp had vanished, along with the 15-pound iron ball that was chained to his leg. So Whoa. He just took it with he him. He just threw it over his shoulder and went, let's go. <laughs> he had somehow managed to, speaking of which, tunnel his way through the brick wall of his jail cell and make wow. his great escape. So we our stories are kind of connected, I guess. I know. Hey, if they were the same tunnel uh, as the one I talked wild. about, that would have been so relevant <laughs> i know too bad 
Uh, so he was on the lam for several weeks, but eventually he was too tired, hungry, and cold and decided to turn himself in. Uh, I don't know if he ever got that iron ball off or if he was just carrying that thing around because that would have made me tired too. I Yo, I, especially if only one leg's having to do it. You know? Oh, how annoying would that be? Your hips would be out <sighs> of sorts. So painful. You'd have to scooch on your butt or something. You'd have to make that chiropractor appointment to get your uh, hips rotated or something. <laughs> Rotate my hips, please. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like tires? Like yeah. so they're usually using different. <laughs> so you're not having, like, I bet if you walked into uh, any doctor, they would be like, oh, one of your legs looks like it's been dragging a 15 pound iron ball. <laughs> we need to do something about your walk. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided he was going to turn himself into the sheriff at Candelaria, in Candelaria, Nevada, uh, he was convicted of five counts of robbery, and because he refused to tell anyone where his hidden loot was buried, he was sentenced to 20 years in penitentiary. Whoa. And he still wouldn't give it up. So nine years into that sentence, he managed to escape again. Uh, interestingly enough, he was still on the on the run when our friend Mike Tovey, that Wells Fargo oh, guard, that guy. Mm-hmm. yeah, he was mysteriously shot a second time as he guarded a stagecoach headed for Jackson, Missouri. No, Whoa. sorry. Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, state codes get me every time. I don't He's know. He's actually at the horse lawn. Last I checked. So. <laughs> What's the matter with me? <laughs> Mississippi. Uh, it's the M's. There's so many M states. Okay, I'm done with I my know. excuses. Uh, so the rumor was that Sharp had sent threatening letters to Tovey for killing his partner Jones, and so now the he was always basically. Um, he was uh, accused or thought of as being a potential person of interest, let's put it that way, for the killing of Mike Tovey since he had been sending him threatening letters saying, like, how dare you kill my partner, yada, yada, yada. And obviously he was there for that first shooting. And so now he's mysteriously been shot again. Um, Unfortunately, the shot proved fatal and Mike Tovey didn't make it this time. But eventually... Milton Sharp was tracked down in Red Bluff, California, and he was returned to prison where he managed to convince authorities he was not the one responsible for Mike Tovey's killing. Oh, um, wow. His swarthy charm, I guess, uh, got him also <laughs> a reduced it. sentence. So I'm was... telling you, if you're known as a robber to charm people, like That's the true. guards, the guards and judges have to be aware of that and be like you're gonna do the exact same thing to me for sure they gotta like close their eyes and be like what's that thing you tell your friend like don't let me don't let me yeah get my guard down (laughs) like you stand strong if i give into this swarthy fellow let me know we need a code a code code word always need a code word and it's horse lawn (laughs) honestly christine at this point when one of us goes the way i will know that the ouija board is not (laughs) fucking with me is if you spell out horse line. <laughs> i'm gonna do it okay good <laughs> so while in jail he actually wrote a letter to wells fargo to apologize uh because you know how polite he is oh yeah and he wanted to ask for a pardon he listed names and addresses of his past associates which probably not a good look for your past associates uh but listed all the names and addresses of his past associates and even convinced his old friends that he had died in a flood so that oh. he could cut ties with them and then name all of them to wells fargo so oh. he pretended to be dead and then ratted out all of his old co 
compatriots. Compatriots. Back, this guy knows what he's doing. Like <laughs> he's like not fucking around. He's like uh, for my to save my own neck. I but will you're do totally right that like he is just not wanting to inconvenience himself. He's That's like what I'm saying I, I feel like, like a pardon, and I think it's worth all of my friends going to prison. I feel like they either perfectly named him. Or really need to rename him. Or need to flip it, yeah. The only inconvenient thing about him is his own inconveniences. The fully fully convenienced outlaw. Uh, Because he really (laughs) only focuses on his his, his own convenience. But so Wells Fargo receives his letter and they decide he has been fully rehabilitated. They're like, he has done a 180. Uh, They recommended he be formally pardoned. So he was... Honestly, who was the person who decided that? The person who wrote this weird flirty description about him? <laughs> You're like, right. Honestly, just... he was so swashbuckling what and did he do so again? cute. <laughs> um, so he needs to get out of here because, like, I got to talk to him. That I skin can... has got to get under the sun again. Got to get that <laughs> vitamin D glow back. Um, so he was pardoned. And in 1894, he was released. And he get this, led a fully law-abiding life until his death in 1907. So for the rest of his life, he did not break one single law. Honestly, then you know what? I eat my words. He was fully rehabilitated. He may have been, right? Maybe he was one person who just, he just needed to learn his lesson one time and that was enough for him. It's all the manners of it. He just needed to realize how impolite he was being and then he changed Uh his ways, you know? He was like, how could I have strayed so far? How could I have? So he died in Yates Center, Kansas at the age of 60, and the remainder of his life was so law-abiding, in fact, that it's rumored he never returned to get his gold from its hiding spot. Wow. He didn't even touch it. Probably because it was inconvenient for him to have to go back. <laughs> to go get a shovel and then dig it like, up. <laughs> Ugh, never mind. If never someone mind. else happens to be there, I will certainly ask them to do it for me, though. <laughs> so it's believed Milton Sharp successfully robbed over 20 stagecoaches, and yet he never revealed where he buried his gold, nor did he ever go to retrieve it. So the real mystery now is where Sharp's treasure is located. Uh, in 1910, two brothers by the names of Gus and Will Hess claimed to have found small amounts of Sharp's loot hidden in the hills of Bodie, California, but it's estimated that over 70% of the treasure has never been found. Um, it's been rumored to be buried on the old stage roads around Nevada and California border, but to this day, it's never been found. So, wow. Road trip? Oh, yeah. But then his ghost will, like, reach yeah, down no. with a Ouija board and be like, horse lawn, can you bring it back to me? <laughs> I Horse lawn. I really, I planned on going back, but now that you're over there, if you could just do me a solid with my charming eyes and my swarthy it's skin. Be the longest fucking Ouija board session ever, because it's going to be like, I apologize for I, the major <laughs> inconvenience, but. <laughs> and somehow I'd be like, I can't see your eyes, but they feel dazzling. God, what is I feel happening? so, like, weak in the knees. Yeah. You're so swashbuckling. <laughs> wow. If if I were ever to be described as swashbuckling, I think I'd just fall over. That and now that he knows that, I might be getting a message from Beyond I'm getting soon. Getting a little so. knock knock from from our friend Milton Sharp. Um, my so pants off. I, that was a short one, I know, but um, I have to watch my baby today in like four minutes, so I figured I'd do kind of a, a brief oldie but a goodie. No, that was a good one. Good job. Yay. Well, we got a Missouri episode today somehow. I know. I uh, I don't know how that happened. That was not planned. But I hope everyone in Missouri has a great fucking day. Hope you like that little shout out to you. Yeah, a little a, t- a 
tip of the hat to you, if you will. The tip of the hat from us to you, the most polite people you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I guess since you got to go watch your baby. I got to go do it. I got to go pee, too. So I'm full of problems. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I know. Quickly, at haste. And (laughs) that's why we drink. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 